It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then the boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC. Oh, Brian, what have you done now? Oh, Brian, what have you done Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Brad Gilmore Show on Demand. I want to wish everyone a happy July 4th weekend. It's been a long time since July 4th, 1776, but welcome to the Brad Gilmore Show. I have a really good show for you today. Um, We're dropping a day early so you can enjoy uh, July 4th and uh, maybe even listen to this show while you're barbecuing. Uh, Really cool interview I have today. I have an interview with the former... Movie trivia schmodown singles champion, the outlaw, John Roca. John Roca, um, for those of you who don't know, and, and you'll get to know him, but the movie trivia schmodown, let me start there, is something that a Collider video does uh, twice a week. And it was started by a guy named Christian Harloff. Um, if you're listening to the show and you're familiar with him, very, very cool guy. I want to have him here on the show very soon as well. Christian Harloff um, started the movie Trivia Schmodown as a fan of pro wrestling, and he wrote for the WWE. And so it's a it's hard to describe, but it's a movie trivia show for a shoot, meaning it's completely legitimate movie trivia game show. And then it has elements of pro wrestling in it, where the guys have characters, they have entrances, they have... Um, you know, promos after the show, they have smack talk, their video packages leading up to the matches. It's very WWE-esque. So for me, when I came across it for the first time, I was like, oh, this is awesome. You know, I'm a fan of movies. I'm a fan of film. I love trivia. And obviously, I'm big into professional wrestling. So I, um, I started watching. And then the more I watched, I was like, man, this would be something really cool for Booker to be involved with. So I showed it to Booker, and we reached out to Christian, and we started you know, working with the movie Trivia Schmodown and getting Booker on the show uh, to do his keys to victory for, for the singles matches. And so um, while we started watching more and more, the standout for me was The Outlaw, John Roca. He plays this heel persona, which I'm always partial to the heels. Love the heels, love flair. You know, love Roddy. And um, he starts playing this heel character, and he's really good at the trivia. And for me, he was like the perfect blend of the wrestling elements of it 
and then actually being good at the at the game of the sport of movie trivia. So I I um really started to find myself rooting for John Roca, and now coming up this Friday, July the seventh, um is the it's kind of like the SummerSlam for the Collider Crew when it comes to the movie trivia showdown this. Friday. It's a big, 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 big event. It's called Collider Collision. There are going to be a lot of matches on the car. There's going to be a number one contenders match between Christian Harloff and Jeff Schneider. And then there's also going to be the match that John Roke is involved with. It's a big triple threat match for the Movie Trivia Schmodown Singles Championship. It's going to be the champion Mark Riley defending against Dangerous Dan Merle and John the Outlaw Roca. And uh, we talked to John about it. I know uh, we talk about all kinds of stuff. We talk about his his love for movie trivia, how he got involved with the Collider crew, um, and his love for professional wrestling. And, you know, I throw some Back to the Future in there as well. I have to throw Back to the Future in there. Um, but we do something really fun at the end of the show where I kind of ask him an either or kind of game. So you'll really enjoy this interview with John Roca, super smart guy, actor. A host, very, very talented man. I had the privilege of speaking with him. So let me not talk any longer. Let's get to my interview with John Roca. But once again, Collider Collision goes down this Friday, July the 7th. Go to the Collider Video YouTube channel. Follow John Roca. Follow Christian Harloff on Twitter. I'll put them in the show notes. And really check out the movie Trivia Schmodown. If you're a fan of wrestling or if you're a fan of movies, or anything above, you know, you're really going to enjoy this show, and you're going to enjoy getting into it with the characters, and you're going to find yourself playing along. I think I'm ready for the schmodown. I think I am, but uh, we'll see what we'll see what the future ha- uh, has in store for me. But let's get right now to my man John Roca. John Roca joins me right now. John, how you doing? I'm doing great, man. Thanks for having me on. Hey, thanks for coming on. What are you, what are you up to right now? You're you're, you're relaxing. You're relaxing in California. Yeah, I'm relaxing in L.A. Yeah, yeah. recorded an episode of uh, Heroes, Collider Heroes, earlier today and uh, recorded Jay Washington for my Outlaw Nation podcast. We talked we talked about the Black Panther trailer. So, yeah, just a busy day doing a bunch of stuff here. Now, John Roca, for ladies and gentlemen who don't know, does a, a myriad of things. He's the host of the Outlaw Nation <laughs> podcast. He's a part of the Collider video crew. Um, yeah. So, so many more things. But you're in L.A. right now. Are you originally from L.A.? No, 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 I'm from Virginia. Uh, I grew up, uh, I was born in Philly, but we lived in Virginia for a majority of my life. So that's where I'm, where I'm based out of, yeah. So you're based out of Virginia. What brought you to L.A.? I mean, obviously, you know, go to further the career, but what was it that brought you out to L.A.? Yeah, it was, it was it, I graduated from Florida State, and I was deciding where I wanted to go. And uh, a lot of my friends were going out to L.A., and it just seemed like a, a softer landing than New York at the time, because I wanted to be an actor, and I wanted to pursue that more. And but a lot of my friends had gone out ahead of time, and it felt like that was the smarter move for me. And I've enjoyed it. I mean, the first few years were a little bumpy, but I love it here now. Yeah. So, so you said you were at Florida State, and yeah. and were, were you studying, you know, drama and all that at Florida State? Yeah, yeah. I came out of the military in uh, 97, 98, and uh, I went back into I went back to school and I started at Florida State and was studying being an actor, uh, being a director. I directed a few productions there and uh, also went overseas and studied in London for like six months while I was there through their exchange program. So it was it was like a really positive experience to be down there. What branch of service were you from? <clears throat> the Army. The Army. I was in the Army for, yeah, for eight years. Eight years. Wow. Well, thank you yeah. for your service, first off. But secondly... Oh, thanks, 
the, the army. So I mean, the, the military. Obviously, you're you're regimented. You have you have a discipline that's instilled in you a basic training. <laughs> yeah. Obviously, yeah. do you think? I mean, I mean, obvious. I think it's an obvious question to ask. But how much of that has helped you in your career? What you learned so in the I army. Think it- yeah, absolutely. I think it does because it's not just like setting off, setting up a schedule and being regimented about being disciplined. It's also about like when you don't, when it doesn't work out, how do you troubleshoot the situation? I think that's a lot of, that's the stuff that doesn't get talked about enough. Yeah, we, we, we do get trained to discipline. You get like, you know, you get told how to get things done, how to get, how to achieve a goal. But the really important things you learn in the military is how to troubleshoot situations so that you can still achieve your goal. It may not look like you, how you originally intended it to look. But you can still achieve it. So that's the really important thing, especially as you go out in life, you know, because not everything's going to work out the way you want to. And so you've got to be able to adapt and improvise. That's the phrase, adapt and improvise when uh, when obstacles show themselves up, show up before you. Wow. So adapt and improvise. I like that. So you, yeah. you, so you go out of the Army in a Florida state, direct, you know, directing some, you know, whatever. You're, you're in the drama program. And then you're yeah. like, okay, L.A. is the right place to go. So you, were you more of like, I want to be a film actor more than a stage actor? Oh, yeah, I mean, to me, that'd of, be New York if you wanted to be a stage actor. Right, yeah, and and, and that's what I was really good at is stage acting uh, in, in, uh, in there Florida State. But, but when you look at the economics of New York, right, if you're not a musical theater person, it's really hard to break through as a stage actor in New York. And so I thought I could still do some stage productions here in L.A. and feed my Jones that way, but I'd be the opportunity to get more money would be to be on film or television, and it seemed to be the smarter move at the time. Uh, and I really wanted to, you know, kind of find my way into film and see if it was possible for me. So your Twitter name, and, and I want to start here because I think yeah. this is something we can bond over. <laughs> your Twitter name is The Roca Says. Yeah. Obviously a playoff, um, Dwayne Johnson, The Rock. Yep. You know, he was yes. famous for saying, you know, the, the Rock says this, The Rock says that. Wrestling obviously is, is big for you, a uh, big influence yeah. for you. You know, from a kid, was a young age, What was is that when it started? Oh, yeah, yeah, from a very young age. And it's ironic because, you know, The Rock's dad was one of my first uh, heroes, like Tony Tony Atlas and Rocky Johnson. Rocky Johnson and Tony – those guys were just my tag team heroes. You know, they always fought the Wild Samoans, you know, and I got into Hogan. Hulk Hogan was my number one guy for a long time. So to me it was that, watching on a black-and-white television upstairs in Virginia, you know, when I on Saturday mornings. It was so much fun to do that and – it progressed into the pay-per-view. So I, I, you know, I got into it just before Vince started doing WrestleMania. So everyone had, everything had led to that. So for me, it was like right at the beginning of this explosion of what they call, you know, entertainment, sports entertainment. So for me, it's always stayed a part of my life. And yeah, there, I dropped off a little bit in the nineties when, when Hart, Hart was a champion, it wasn't as exciting or dynamic, but when the attitude era started up again and the NWO over at WCW, then I became a massive, massive junkie of wrestling all over again what was it what is it though i mean you know everyone has their different their different thing that attracts them some like the athleticism some like the story the soap opera-ness of it what is is it for you i'm assuming for coming from like a drama you're always into acting a movie guy you like the storyline of everything well i think it's it's yeah the storylines absolutely but it's also that good versus evil thing or the gray area especially when you're a young kid you're like everything is like black and white right everything was good you know, back then when they were doing the 80s stuff, it was always like, well, someone was always good or they were always evil, right? And as the Attitude Era came along and, and I get older, I'm in my 20s, I'm seeing, no, in real life, people are gray. You know, they're sometimes good, they're sometimes bad. It just depends on the situation. And so what wrestling always really does well is reflect the society back on itself. And I think as a sociological thing, it's fantastic to watch the progression from what it was to what it got, you know, really bad with the Attitude Era and ECW and NWO and all that stuff. And then 
you know, kind of dropped, kind of started coming back towards the old school stuff. Hogan even made a return back to the WWF or WWE rather. And then what happened afterwards? Now what we see now with Seth Rollins with Kevin Owens, it's more about these indies, you know, these underground wrestlers, the indie wrestlers coming in and having their shots at, you know, kind of expanding the art form of pro wrestling. So to me, it's always that it's yes, the athleticism and everything like that. But I think it's also what it reflects back to us about our own society, you know, and it's not just dudes in tights or ladies in tights throwing each other around a ring. I think there's more going on uh, that people aren't giving it enough credit for. Yeah, no, oh, a thousand percent. You know, I think I think wrestling is is the ultimate culmination of all sorts of entertainment because you have live television. You know, you have you have mm-hmm. sketches, you have you have acting, you have characters, you have good, you have evil, you switch characters, you change characters. I mean, yeah. I mean, there's a physical component to it, and you know, it's 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 the only business where you try to look like you're hurting the other guy with with at the same time protecting the guy. But um, yeah. when we you know when you talk about guys like The Rock, you know, people always ask me. Um, you know, when I get to talk to people about The Rock and why he's such a good actor, I mean, had he not gone to what what we call in the business, you know, I call wrestling showbiz boot camp because you know it has all yep. the ac- aspects of it. Um, if it wasn't for The Rock going into wrestling, he wouldn't be the the star that he is today. And I think a lot of people who watch wrestling are able to tap into another part of themselves. And I think I think that that comes out with you in definitely um. You know the the sh- movie trivia schmodown, which we're going to get into. <laughs> I think you know you can tap into another part of yourself, but I also yeah. think you watching as an aspiring actor could also mm-hmm. see. Oh, you know what? Like these guys, this week he was good, but now he's bad. And you know, here's the subtle changes in his character. Yeah. And, and is that something you kind of looked at and, and and adapted in acting? Oh, absolutely. I think those are when you are an actor, you can pick that up so well. And that's those are the ones that really come across. Those act those wrestlers male or female the ones that really come across and become icons and become ones that we love are the ones that are doing an extension or an ex, uh, what do you call it, outsized version of themselves right and so you can believe them in what they're doing whether they're good or bad and you can see the subtle changes in their face you can see the reactions in what you know because the ones that overdo it you're just like ah they're not as good or what we say right they're not as good on the stick that terminology right yeah but promo. You, the great yeah promo the great ones uh, speaking of The Rock, the great ones are, are, are ones who can really command an audience just by their presence, right? And it's almost like they're not acting. It's almost like they're not uh, creating a character. They're just being themselves, but an outsized version of themselves, you know, a bigger version like Stone Cold. Stone Cold doesn't walk around stomping mud holes in people and walking them dry, but he has that feeling that he could do it at any moment, even when you see him in interviews, you know, and I think the same thing is true. Uh, with a lot of other wrestlers, the the great ones, the really the really good, and Ric Flair, definitely, you know. Oh yeah, well, the greatest of all time. You know, I, I got it. Before we move off the wrestling, I do have to ask you yep. who's your who's your top three? Give me your top three. Roka's top three all time. Ooh, wow, it's a, ru- it's a rough strong. question. It's a rough right. Question. No, I think it's fair though. I would have to say honestly, and this is really hard to do. It has to be Hogan, Flair, and as much as I would want to throw Dusty Rhodes in there. I think you have to say The Rock uh, overall because not just his ability, but the way he commands the audience and the way he's been able to, to lift the business by coming out of the business to be such a successful uh, Hollywood actor. And if he hadn't done that, I think you could have put a tie between him and Stone Cold, in my opinion. Those two are just so fantastic. I, I 1,000% agree. A lot of people, when I get in this conversation, I say The Rock is – The Rock actually has the case of being the greatest of all time. 
Yes, absolutely. It's easy to make that case because, you know, I mean, when he came back and did the whole stuff with Cena at the WrestleMania, yeah. that trilogy of WrestleManias, it was the biggest business WWE had done on pay-per-view in quite some time. The guy brings exactly. new eyeballs to the product. He lifts the product, like you said. Biggest star to ever come out of wrestling and yeah. uh, definitely in the conversation of the greatest of all time. So, John, you, you started working with, um, you know, we're going to talk about the commissioner, Christian Harloff uh, of the uh, of yeah. the Schmodown, but you started working with the guys over at Collider. How, how did you get involved with you know you know Harloff and Ellis and and and, Sh- and Schnepp and all those guys? Well, it's really interesting because it was just like it was just random because I had seen Christian. You know, we went to college together at Florida State, and we knew each other. We were friends, uh, and Christian wasn't a typical guy that it was in the theater program, and that's why I kind of enjoyed getting being friends with him because he was just a dude, you know. And I was coming out of the military full of dudes, and I. Not, not nothing against like theater kids or whatever, but they, I didn't necessarily always like hang out and gravitate to that. I needed you know regular dudes as well, and so Christian and I became friends. And when we came into LA, we we kind of just kind of separated. He's doing his own thing, and we'd occasionally run into each other. And he would talk to me about the schmoes. No, he'd like it, just as it was starting, he talked, and I would like this is weird. They they would pay you to talk about movies. This makes no sense. Why would you put your time into it? Blah, blah, blah. And it was right at the beginning stages of this kind of movement of these kinds of things. And so every once in a while, I'll check in with him. Well, a few years ago, uh, or I said like two or three years ago, I was going through a, a bad breakup, and Christian just reached, he had heard about it, and he reached out to me, and he's like, "Hey, dude, I've got this thing going on." Uh, do you want to come and be a part of this podcast? And I was like, sure, yeah, why not? I'll talk Star Wars far, far away on Geek Nation. Uh, and then he's like, take over. I'm going to step away from the podcast and go do other things. I took over there. And then from there, there were these uh, auditions to be uh, after-show hosts for these shows at Collider. Well, Christian had developed a relationship with John Campia, with Dennis Zhang, with Wendy and Lee over there. And he had talked me up to them. And so when I applied, I was able to... Uh, uh, have a bit of a, a leg up to a degree, and then my interview went really well, and they hired me to do a bunch of shows, do the recaps for them, and that, that's how I got into Collider. And then Christian and Collider made their deal, and with Schmoes, no, once they made their deal, then Christian was like, "I want to start bringing you on to these shows," and they were trying me out that way. So that's how it happened. It's all just you know, like anything else in LA or Hollywood or anywhere else, it's who you know and timing. It was just timing. You know? But, you know, for me, you know, if you're if you're like, you know, you're in the theater program, you, you go to L.A. to be an actor. I think yeah. that, you know, it, it, you know, because here's the thing. People don't realize being a host it really isn't an easy job at all. Like no. you have to have really staunch opinions and you have to have facts to back up your opinion. And, and you got to have a good argument. And not everyone's just yeah. naturally good at that. You know, and, and, and that's not all hosts, but I'm saying in the in the forum that you do it in, where y'all are debating yeah. and talking about movies and, and what these actors do and say, you have to develop an opinion and you almost have to do it instantaneously. A lot of the times uh-huh. I'm sure you get news handed to you, you know, a few minutes or maybe even a few hours before you go live on on YouTube or live on Collider and give your yeah. opinion about it. And a lot of the times people don't realize that's not enough time to really sit down and figure out how you feel about a certain issue. You know, when, when yeah. I know when people talk about politics all the time, I think that, you know, they don't really, a lot of people don't really know how they feel about it. They're told how to feel about it, you know, but I right. think that it takes a, a unique individual and a, and a specific kind of talent to be able to articulate an opinion and, and formulate that opinion at a really, really rapid pace. How do you, for you, I mean, what, did yeah. that come naturally to you? Because you would think that it would it would be a kind of a difficult transition to go from an actor where your lines are given to you, you memorize these lines, and you kind of create the character as opposed to just giving your opinion 
and giving right. a, 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 a well-crafted opinion? Well, I think it's a combination of things, right? For me, I've always been an opinionated guy about things. I came out of the womb that way. So uh, so I, I really did. Like even as a child, my mom told me I'd never shut up about stuff that I liked or didn't like all the time. And I was, I was from a very early age, I was a consumer of media. And I was born, and thankfully so, with an analytical mind, for better or worse. And so for me, I was always into watching these things and trying to find the deeper meanings, trying to find, trying to understand the reasonings, you know? And so it kind of, I was already built that way to that extent. Now, that doesn't mean it'll transfer over once I get on camera. You know, people get the flop sweats, people get too nervous, people stumble over themselves, any number of things can happen. So it's about getting older, like, because I'm more relaxed in who I am, more, more confident in my opinions, I'm able to be on these shows and speak my truth. I do a little bit of research ahead of time to make sure I've got everything correct and I'm able to formulate my opinions in a way that's understandable to the audience and a way that isn't repeating what everyone else is saying on the panel. That's really important too. If you're just going to echo what everyone else says, then you're not going to stand out and you're not going to have your own personal point of view, your own unique perspective on things. And that's really important to develop your voice. And that's something I've learned as I've gone along and Christian and a lot of the other hosts, Tiffany Smith. Uh, who have been great uh, uh, mentors for me have been fantastic in guiding me through that and answering my questions and giving me feedback when I ask for it. So, because my job is to, I want to do this for a living, you know, and so my goal is to achieve that success. So I can't get there if I'm not doing the legwork behind the camera or when the camera's turned off as well. So, and you're right, sometimes you get news. We get news sometimes five minutes before we go on set for Collider Movie Talk. And we are furiously on our MacBooks, like trying to find research, trying to find points, information, so that we can talk about it knowledgeably because that's what the fans deserve. If they're going to watch us, they want us to talk about it knowledgeably, and we do the best we can. Maybe we don't always succeed, but I think we succeed a majority of the time. Yeah, more hits than misses for sure. But for you, like, yeah. you know, being on the Internet and your show streams live on YouTube every day, um, yeah. and, and for me, <clears throat> in the age of the Internet, it is interesting because – you know, used to when you put something out, when you know you put a television show out, let's say in the '90s or even the early 2000s, you put the show out there, and it takes a few days to hear feedback from it. You got to wait for the critics to come back. You got to do this. Now it's an instantaneous critical reaction that we get. Oh yeah, and 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 people call you out when you're wrong, and sometimes they over compliment you when you're right or when they agree with you. And, <laughs> but I, I think, right. but I think you know, I think people over complimenting you is just as is just as detrimental to a host. As, yeah. as 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 someone who's overly criticizing you because you don't want to think that your everything you say is on point and then at the right. same time you know that everything you say isn't the worst thing that someone's ever heard which is a tweet right. that yeah, I'm sure everyone gets all the time so how is it for you though to how do you respond to criticism that you get on the internet because for me sometimes when I read it I'm like oh, should should I should you know I try to like think about it logically if it's mm -hmm. not just like a throwaway tweet if someone has a point. I, you know, before I react instantaneously and fire back at them, I, I try to think, well, are they right? Should I change this? Mm -hmm. Or are they right about that? What about for you? What's your, what's your kind of response to it? I think that's a great uh, point. You know, how, how do you respond to these? Like initially, I never read the YouTube comments or never, because I was just so focused on like, if they're willing to keep bringing me back on, that must be doing something right. right yeah. And so if I, if they're willing to keep paying me, if they're willing to keep having me on, if other people who run other shows are anxious to have me on as a guest, then all of that means I'm doing something right. But 
my friends, there are people in this business who go deep diving into YouTube comments. And I, I sometimes I don't think they should because they like get themselves wrapped up into pretzels uh, of worried about, well, should I say this or should I say that? And to me, it's like if I read constructive criticism, if when I ever take the chance to go read YouTube comments, if I read constructive criticism that feels uh, fair and uh, equal and middle of the road, then absolutely I will take a look at it and, and uh, see if, if I'm doing that or see if something I can fix. But if it's something coming at me with an argumentative position or combative or a dismissive position, then I go, I don't have anything to, to learn from you because you're presenting it in a way that you're trying to uh, be above me or you're trying to think you can talk down to me in a certain way just because you think you know better sitting in your mama's basement or sitting on your, you know, wherever you're at. And so to me, that that isn't the way you approach it. And I never understand people who want to work in this business and go and attack people who are successful in this business because why the hell would you do that? You don't network that way. People, when they meet you, don't want to help you. So logically, if you have an issue, bring it up in a way that's, that's intelligent and articulate and people nine times out of ten in this business will listen to it because the reason we all enjoy hanging out with each other and we all enjoy talking about this stuff is because we want to learn from other people how they see things. Because And we want to have ourselves heard as well. And that's the thing. And so when people are uh, vitriolic on YouTube or on, or on Twitter or whatever social media they're on, uh, I think it's a waste of time. And it's not conducive to, to uh, expanding the connection between the audience and the host. No, I, I, I a thousand percent agree. You know, sometimes though it is hard when you get that you know tweet that just you know has a four letter word directed at you. It's sometimes oh, yeah. it's hard not just to fire back at them. <laughs> you sure, know, of course. Yeah, or you, or you know, you click on their profile and you see what you know, see what, how many followers they have. And it's just so right. funny that we do that, you know, today. But you know, you you, you read through a couple of their tweets, you're like, oh, I'm not going to waste my time with this guy. Or if you feel like yeah. they have prominence, you want to. Yeah, I don't. Know, it's just funny. I always like to hear how people react to it. But you know, you talk about Collider, you get. The notes sometimes five minutes before you go on yeah. live. What is the typical day? I've always been interested to know what's the typical day like at Collider. So do you show up and then what happens? Yeah, you show up. You know, you have a pre-production meeting for whatever show you're going to be on. You discuss what the points might be. Just give a cursory idea of what your approach to it is going to be. Make sure you know everyone else has an idea of it before we walk on set. And then, uh, you know, then it's about um, taking a, a little bit of a breather, you know, catching up with each other and then making sure everything's squared away on the mic, squared away on the camera. Uh, and then, you know, it's just it's all of that. And then seeing if any stories are coming on at the last minute. Dennis and Mark Riley are always great uh, to see if anything's coming down the pike at the last minute and then sending us the information we need so that we can uh, talk about it uh, on set. And then after that, it's it's, you know, you're taking the pictures. And then you're having a little bit of a post-mortem about the show and then moving on to the next thing, you know, and then touching base with the tech, with the production guys, rather, off, off set. So, yeah. It, but, you know, it's, it's so <clears throat> impressive. You know, you see so many shows that are, you know, and, you know, it, you know to each his own, but you see so many shows that aren't yeah. organized and it's real free form and it's kind of like, I don't know what's going on here. There's a lot of stumbling. Mm -hmm. There's some redundancies. How do you, how do y'all, how do y'all streamline it so well? Is it just, just, I mean, just go ahead. How do you streamline it yeah. so well? Well, I think it's it, it all comes down to the, the people who are on the staff. You know what I'm saying? Dennis is a very good uh, coordinator. John Campy is a good producer. 
Mark Riley's fantastic as a writer, fantastic getting us our information and the talking points, uh, the general talking points, you know. Obviously, we bring our own unique ideas and perspectives and thoughts on these subjects. And that's all. And then we have a very tight ship. And everyone who gets on set understands this has got to be done by this time. We cannot go past this time. So you are already self-editing as you comment on certain subjects. And if you if you're noticing the time running down, then there's, you know, you, you yourself are, you're, you're entrusted with making sure that your opinions come out a little bit faster and quicker so that we can get to the next thing. And so everyone, it's, everyone's all on board on the same ship. And I think that's what really helps. And our production crew is fantastic, you know, with graphics, with camera work, with, uh, making sure we're, our audios are working. And sometimes the stream goes down in the middle while we're live and they're great at trying to get the stream back up. So, all of that works really, really well, and we feel like we're in good hands. And so they feel like they're in good hands by, with us as hosts because we know we're going to get to things we need to get to in a timely manner. And we know we're in good hands with them because we know they're going to make us look good, make us sound good, and make sure we get out on time. So it's just, it's just all of us working together, and it's, it's a really good crew of people, man, honestly. Oh, yeah. I mean, everyone over there seems like – you know what's great about it is it seems like everybody – and it's a hard thing to do in any business, especially mm. entertainment in L.A. It seems like everyone checks their ego at the door. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There's the standard ball busting and everything that we do, of course. For sure. For happen sure. In any, any work environment. But there's a lot of respect, too, from everyone around. You know, for all the slowdown stuff, uh, Riley and I have a tremendous amount of respect for each other. And it's always good to feel that. And, you, I, I, you know, I never feel unheard or un wanted and no one else around that place i think feels that way at all either well um you, you brought up the schmodown and, and yeah. uh, you know collider collision goes down july 7th on the collider yeah. video youtube channel there's a big triple threat match for the movie trivia schmodown singles championship <sighs> yep uh it's you it's it's uh uh <clears throat> mark riley and it's uh yep. dan merle for the yep. um, for the title, uh, you've held the championship. Dan's held, uh, Dan's held the championship, and now Riley, the two time champ. When did you first yep. hear about the movie trivia schmodown? Oh, uh, Christian came to me with it. Like I know they had been doing it on the Schmo's No Show, uh, and he said, "I'm going to turn this into a league." And when he said that, he said, "I said to him, I'm going to win the championship. I don't know when. I don't know how." but I'm going to win the championship. And he's like, okay, man, that's the kind of attitude I'm looking for. So you, you want to be a part of it. I go, fuck yes. Can we fight tonight? Oh, I don't think, sorry, Brad, can we cuss? I didn't yeah, wanna... you're fine. You're fine. You, okay. Okay. I said, hell yeah. Can we fight tonight? I'm ready to fight anytime. And so when we first started doing this thing, he came to me and he's like, do you want to be part of it? I said, yes. And then he said, we got to create a character. So together we created the outlaw. And from there, uh, you know, I think we, just kind of built it together. I, I know some people might be upset when I say this, but I really believe that we're the Hulk Hogan and Vince McMahon of the movie trivia showdown. Like, yeah, there's outsized personalities all throughout the showdown, but I really believe the outlaw and, and Christian Harloff are the ones that pushed the, the showdown to the next level. Are y'all, are so, you, <clears throat> I, I yeah. didn't mean to interrupt, but were y'all two, are y'all two the biggest like wrestling fans? Because the show's so wrestling influenced, you know, and that's yes. what, and I tell Christian, you know, when I talk to him, I said, you know, that's what draws me to the show. It's what drew me originally. I was like, oh, man, this is kind of like a wrestling-inspired MMA-style movie trivia show. Like, it was very yeah. strange, and it was a cool – it has the characters. It has the, the promos. Mm -hmm. It has everything that I like about wrestling involved in the show. So are you all yeah. two the biggest wrestling guys? I think we are the two biggest wrestling fans who participate in it. Yeah, absolutely. And we, and we talk about it. And that's the thing that helps – 
for both of us because we have a shorthand. Because Christian, when he first started it with me, he said, I need a heel. I need a heel. And I was like, I'm your man. And I know exactly how to play the heel to fit within the parameters and the constructs of what you're uh, creating with the Schmodown within the league. And I'll push the limits of what I can talk about, what I can say. And people who can, people who want to can go back and see my, the, the, the earliest promos that I would record on Movie Talk on Fridays against Mance or against Riley or against Harlow, against Christian, against anyone. I was, that was me coming up with stuff on the fly, coming up and figuring it out. But he knew he could trust me to do it because I was such a massive fan of wrestling. And so for us, the shorthand has always been the thing. You know, he's like, I need this. Okay, great. I can get it for you. I need you, I need you to be like this. Great. I can make that happen. You know, it's, it's not a problem for us to be in communication to making sure it works out. And then it seems to me other people are getting the idea and are, and are uh, acting accordingly, you know, and, and are playing up their characters. If you haven't, if you've noticed the entrances have become more elaborate, you know, the, there's more costumes involved. There's more, uh, there's more, uh, uh, theme songs that are more on point. There's a lot more drama to the entrances, a lot more drama to the promos, storylines, which is exactly what Christian wanted and thought that this was going to make it stand out from any other kind of show that's on the, uh, on YouTube or on the internet now. So who is though, you say y'all got together and you created the outlaw. Who is the outlaw? The outlaw is a mix of, um, I was, I'm always, I've been a massive fan of Westerns, you know, since I was a kid and I always enjoyed the anti-hero, you know, from John Wayne and the searchers to Clint Eastwood and the man with no name trilogy, uh, to any number of, of uh, characters throughout Westerns. And I've always enjoyed that idea. It's a very American thing. You know, I I'm, was born in this country. My parents are uh, Bolivian immigrants, but I was born here and I was born and raised very American, you know, and so I always identified with that. And so when we were creating the outlaw idea, I, I had a cowboy hat already. I had boots already. So I liked the idea of playing him as a heel. Uh, and so And then the mask I had had because I wore for a costume a a few years ago, and I like the idea of the Guy Fox mask because it symbolizes overthrowing uh, authority, you know, uh, fighting back against authority. So I thought, what a better way to play a heel than with a guy who symbolizes the kind of the 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 iconic Western character of an outlaw, uh, and then also the guy who's trying to like destroy the system or buck the system. And so it was a combination of those things. And from there, uh, Christian and I kind of created the personality, you know, talked about it. So we were always in conversation about it. You know, uh, I will never say that I created the outlaw by myself. Christian and I were always in conversation about what to do with that character. So, and you yeah. can and you can tell you enjoy playing the bad guy, right? Oh, I mean, my God. So much so, yeah. It's so much better than the good guy. It really is, you know, and it's so much fun to do it because – People at times were like believing that I was really like this, which was so insane, you know, them thinking that I could actually say and do these things to the people that I work with. And then they would, they would actually show up to work the next day and have no problem working with me. It was just so fun. And I think people needed it. You know, it was an avenue in. It wasn't just a boring movie trivia show. There was more to it. There were people, there was people talking crap against each other and challenging each other and questioning each other's uh, knowledge of movie trivia. So, so much of that. And me being such a massive fan of heels, you know, since from Roddy Piper on, from Ric Flair and Roddy Piper, you know, all those guys through the end, through Hogan turning a heel. You know, the NWO, all those Triple H was one of the best heels ever. Those are those are people that you love to play because there's so much richness in those characters, you know. And so for me, it was a no brainer when he came to me and said, I want you to be a heel. 
So what is, you know, we talked about the preparation for, for Collider movie talk or for TV yeah. talk or for heroes, but what is it for, for the Schmodown? I remember seeing like this back mm. uh, behind the scenes uh, video that was put on the Collider YouTube channel of the behind the scenes of the Schmodown. And you, I literally, you see, you see you in the, in the, in the shot and you're like sitting down with your face <laughs> down. You're like, you look super serious. And I know that, <laughs> I know that you take it seriously and, it, and it's not, it's cool. I, to t- I mean, it's cool because I mean, it's, it's, you know, when I talk to Christian, he's like, I want to make this like an actual sport. I want to have yeah. a big sport feel, and it does. And, and that video showed kind of that stakes are on the line. But what's um, what's your preparation like? I mean, I, obviously there's a mental preparation, but do you actually yeah. go the night before and you just start looking up movie trivia facts, or you're playing an online game, or like what is what's what's the prep? Are for? you are you crazy? The online the night before? No, weeks before. <laughs> I, I am prepping weeks before. Yeah. You know, these are the, these are the benefits of not having, of not being in a relationship currently. I have a little more free time than other people or having any children. Like I have, so for me, I will spend hours playing movie trivia. I will spend time. I will watch movies that I haven't seen in a long time. I will look up IMDB facts, things of that nature. Um, but one of the best pieces of advice, which is ironic that I, I got about it was from Scott Mance. And he was like, just trust that you know what you know. And that's going to be the difference. And so for me, I can I will study up until about a few days before the match, and then I will stop because I need time for my mind to relax and prep itself. And then when I get to the studio, I what I've learned is I need to be in a very relaxed state, uh, and I have to feel comfortable what I'm wearing. I have to feel relaxed about what I'm doing. And so I've recently, you know, I started meditating last year really, really powerfully, and it's helped a lot. And then I recently started chanting. And so these things, I know this is ridiculous. This is just a movie trivia show. But it's how you live your life with anything you care about. If you put these things in motion for anything you go after in life, then you already have your steps and your process to achieve what you need to achieve when you get there and to have the right mentality to achieve it. So for me, my goal was to win the championship. And that was what it was all about. And so when I focus in, when you see that picture of me like staring down, that's me just repeating a mantra over and over again, visualizing holding the belt, visualizing winning, those kinds of things. So that's what's going on. Talk to me. Uh, uh, talk to me about winning the title. How cool was yeah. that for you? Oh, man. I mean, for people who know, me losing that by, losing the first match to Scott Mance was like being knocked down the hill and having to walk back up it all over again. And it was the worst, you know. And so having to write out that Bespin uh, debacle and then having to slowly figure out how to beat everyone else and then really get into focus and start to see Dan at the top of the mountain and the possibilities that I might actually face him, you know, it was amazing. A whole year of all the nerves and worries and concerns and the twists and turns and the possibilities of what could happen, having them all work out to the point where I actually got to face Dan finally, undefeated Dan, 5-0, and uh, and I beat him. And it was so shocking, if you see there, and to, for me to beat him. That was a genuine reaction. I didn't know that Joe Dante hadn't directed the Burbs. So for me, it was genuine surprise. And then, of course, I slid right back into the outlaw. But my, I was just so blown away the fact that I could finally do it. And it was always, it was also very powerful to say like a year ago, I'm going to win the title and then to win the title. It was so great for me, uh, to achieve that and to feel that emotion of just happiness and achievement and success. 
Uh, and also there's a humility that comes with it too, man. You just kind of sit back and go, I did it. Like I really did it. Everything worked out and I did it. And there's a, there's, there's a nice feeling that comes with that of accomplishment, man. And then, so I'm assuming though, and not to rain on your parade, but I'm assuming no, when, no. when you lost the title, it was yeah. like that feeling times two in the in the opposite direction. You yeah, know what I mean? man. Yeah, losing to Riley was really tough because I'd beaten him twice already, and it was my first defense. And it came down to the last question again, which seems to be the standard thing of my matches when I play single matches. They always seem to come down to the last question, which is so frustrating for me. Uh, and, I, you know, it was I hated giving the belt up, um, but I think that was one of those nights where I wasn't ready. I just wasn't mentally ready. I had some other stuff that had gone on outside of the showdown that was affecting me a little bit, and I wasn't 100% dialed in. So when I lost it, I lost it fair and square. Riley beat me, but it really like just devastated me for a, a week or two afterwards. Just like then I came, I, I won it, but then I didn't have the same focus to keep it, you know. And so the the next step for me is beating these two guys. Now I want that belt back so badly, and I I, I want to beat Dan so bad. I want to beat Mark so bad. Dan has never beaten me in a singles competition or a tag team competition. So I want to keep that record going. Uh, and Riley, I owe him for beating me. So Riley beating me was like when the Red Sox finally beat the Yankees on that three, one lead like that is that he is now officially a rival because he actually beat me for once. And so, <laughs> so these are these things that have developed and they give me drive and hunger and anger to, to achieve it. And so, yeah, all of that. And yeah, so I hated losing it. Yeah, definitely. Oh no, definitely. So the collider collision goes down on July 7th. That big triple threat match is the main event. This is like the yeah. summer slam. Uh, for, for, for Collider, uh, for the Schmodown. This is like the yeah. SummerSlam um, for, the, for the year. So a lot of cool things coming. Hey, a couple more things I, I have to ask yeah. you, John, before I let you go. Um, sure. First off, um, we, we're talking about The Rock already a million times. You actually mm-hmm. got to, to meet The Rock recently. You interviewed him for Baywatch. Um, I'm I sure did. the interview was more enjoyable than the film itself, but what did you... <laughs> I'm sorry, I had to. But um, that's fair. <laughs> but what was it like? What was it like? And, and I know he did some. Uh, you you uh, posed with him with the with the Schmodown title. Uh, was yeah. was that a cool thing getting to meet The Rock? Uh, it was everything, man. I mean, Kristen called me that week and said, "Hey, listen, can you go on Mother's Day? Can you fly out this weekend to interview The Rock for Baywatch?" And I was like, "Absolutely, you know, uh, let's make it happen." And you know, uh, the the uh, the movie studio was very kind to cover everything, and I flew in, and it was two days of waiting to interview The Rock, you know, and that it's almost like pacing in a room back and forth for two days. I just was like, what am I going to ask? How much time am I going to have? What can I say? <laughs> can I make him like? Can I tell him the things that I like can, like loved about him and why he's such an idol of mine and why my Twitter handle is The Roca says? Will I have enough time to say that and also talk about this? And then Christian's like, well, you got to tell you got to get him to talk about the showdown as well. So. There was a lot that went into it, but when I finally met him, he was such an incredibly cool dude, very warm. When I mentioned his dad and how much I was a fan of Rocky Johnson, he was like so overwhelmed and talked to me about like, where did you grow up? And we went to Virginia. We talked about the Capitol Center, like going to see matches at the Capitol Center. He came with his dad when he was a kid. You know, so there was so much of that connection because when you strip it away, people who love wrestling and people who love wrestlers, if you can just have a conversation that's what it is. It's the love of the business, you know? And so we were able to talk like that. And when I got to interview him and meet him and everything like that, it's definitely a life highlight, not, not just a career highlight. It's a life highlight, you know, cause he's such a, such an incredibly awesome dude. 
Yeah, man, I I, I, I I fanned out for you. I saw as soon as you posted, I was actually scrolling through my timeline, and I, and I think I tweeted you immediately because I was like, oh, yeah. man, this is awesome. You know, I know that he's feeling this one, and he's living it for all yeah. of us. Hey, so w- two more things i got to talk to you yeah. about. First off, you, you're, you're a big Western guy. It's where the outlaw yeah. comes from. Tell me what you think because my favorite film franchise of all time, my favorite trilogy, I should say, my favorite mm-hmm. trilogy is Back to the Future. Okay. And Back to the Future oh. 3 is a Western. In, it is. In, in concept, in theory, in practicality, it's a Western. Where does it rank for you? Do you do you enjoy Back to the Future Three as a Western or not? <laughs> as a Western? As a Western. Uh, you know what? I, here's what I'll say. I love Biff, the character of Biff, in Back to the Future Three more than I love him in Two or One. I just love the. He is legitimately. He's legitimately the embodiment of the word uh, varmint. He looks like a varmint in that. Uh, film and, and he's such a he, that that actor is so good at playing Biff and he's so good with that accent that's uh, that kind of Western accent of his that he's doing. Everything about that film is uh, very fun uh, and it's a good it's a fun Western. So yes, it's a West, like Silverado is a Western. You yeah, know yeah, like, yeah. It's that kind of vibe. It's that fun Western vibe. It's not a classic Western in my opinion, but it's certainly a fun Western to enjoy and watch and. Uh, there's so much uh, that goes on in there with Michael J. Fox, and then the other version of Michael J. Fox, you know, his, oh, so his ancestor, yeah. yeah, all of that, and then the Mary <laughs> Steen version thing, which is a really nice thing to give Doc Brown once and for all. And so, all of that, it's definitely uh, obviously the second best of the trilogy, but certainly one that like makes you feel warm as you're watching it, and a lot of fun, especially if you're a fan of westerns, because it hits a lot of the same cliches, for lack of a better term, that you see in Westerns. Yeah, yeah I, I love the movie. I love Back to the Future and Back to the Future 3. Hey, so, okay, this is the last thing we're going to do. I'm going to run down either or choices. you got to pick one or the, or the other, all right? Okay, we, we all got right. about we got about a dozen or more of these. Are you ready? Cool, okay. Here we go. Batman or Superman? Oh, Batman. DC or Marvel? Mmm, DC. Ooh, Hogan or Flair? It's got to be Hogan, and that breaks my heart. It's got to be Hogan. Rock or Austin? Rock. Lita or Trish? Ooh, Trish. But oh. I do love the dirty – I do love the evil one. So uh, you know what? No, Lita. Got to say Lita. Lita. Oh, yeah, Lita. I love it. I, I love it. I, I love it. Mind, Lita. Wonder yeah. Woman or Harley Quinn? I think Wonder Woman. Yeah. I like it. She's, she's her own person. She didn't need to be turned into Harley Quinn, so I choose Wonder Woman. I like that. WWF or WCW? Oh, WWF. Just, just too many great memories. Too many great memories. DX or NWO? DX or NWO? Yeah. NWO. Always, all night, every day, 24-7 for life. Oh, too, Always. Too NWO. sweet. Too sweet. Too sweet. Uh, here we go. Here we go. Luke or Han? <laughs> Han. Han. I love it. I love it. Avengers or Justice League? Damn, that's good. You know, I I have to say, uh, Avengers. I just enjoy the dark. The I enjoy the storylines of the personal Avengers more than the Justice League storylines. So that's my personal opinion. Yeah. Okay, Gamora or Black Widow? <laughs> Gamora. <clears throat> Gamora. Gamora. I love it. Bond uh-huh. or Born. Oh, definitely uh, Bond. There's oh, just the more. Way. Yeah, there's just more. Yeah, there's just more about Bond. Quick, yeah. who's your favorite Bond? Honestly, it's Daniel Craig. Oh, like, okay. no lie. As much as I, I know Sean Connery is fantastic, 
that some of those movies are a bit cheesy. Yeah, I can't say that about any of the Daniel Craig movies. I think he's the best version of the Ian Fleming version of Bond. You know, if you read the books, I Daniel Craig agree. is the best version. I yeah. completely agree. Okay, these last two are hard. Okay. Michael Jordan or LeBron James? <laughs> uh, it has to be Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan never lost in the finals. He would oh, never have you. allowed them to lose thank in the finals. You. Thank LeBron you. Is a, LeBron is the second best player to have ever played the game. I, I will defend that to the nth degree. But Michael Jordan would never have lost to the Warriors. They just wouldn't have done it. He Warriors wouldn't have stars. allowed himself. Nope, he wouldn't have allowed him. He, if he needed to score 196 points, he would have done that. There's just there's just a difference. I think LeBron is just a little bit softer than Jordan because there's no way Jordan posts a picture of himself taking a selfie in a mirror looking sad. Jordan would have never done that. No. That Jordan, he's just his mind. He's just too driven. Jordan yeah. would also want to pass it to Kyle Korver for the three in the last three minutes of Game Four. <laughs> he wouldn't have done it. That's fair. It. Okay, last one. Last one. Yeah. The hardest yeah. one. Christian Harloff or Booker T? <laughs> Listen, I'm going to get in trouble, but I, Booker, Booker's my guy, man. I love Booker T to pieces, and I, could, I don't think Christian could be mad at me for choosing that. I love Booker so much, from Harlem Heat to, to when he was the, the, the king of the ring, King Booker, to everything about – this is the thing about one of the great ones, Booker T – this is when you love a great wrestler. It's because he's able to change over time into different things. And no matter what you hand him, he's able to succeed at it. And Booker has at times like been the jobber going for the championship. And other times he wins it and they make him the king. They do all these things. Booker has just been amazing. And even now when he calls the matches, I love when he calls matches. I love that he's on Raw. So I'm such a massive fan of Booker T and his energy and his love for the business and his love for the fans, you know? So I, I, I'm, there's no way I don't choose Booker T over Christian as much, <laughs> and, as, much as I love Christian. <laughs> and for, and for, for you and Christian being the wrestling fans, is it cool to have Booker a part of the Schmodown? It's beyond everything I could have imagined. Honestly, this side of meeting The Rock, having Booker say, Yeah, outlaw, you won the championship, but can you defend? That's what shows a real champion. Like, just to hear him say John Roca out of his mouth, I never in my life thought that Booker would ever say my name in that way for public consumption. And to see it, like, it really, I'm not, I'm, I'm going to let you into a little window. I like, I got emotional hearing him say that, and just like softly for a moment. Oh man, just hearing him say my name, it meant so much to me. Like, damn, that means something, something really special. So yeah, it's everything to me, honestly. Well, hopefully, hopefully you win the title back at the Collider Collision going down July the 7th. And you can yeah. follow you on, on Twitter at the Roca says, and also check out the podcast outlaw nation and you're on Collider movie talk every what Friday, every Friday at 10 a.m. Yep. Friday at 10 a.m. Any, anything else you want to say before you leave, John? Yeah, and the Cinephiles. I have a great podcast about movies. On this. It's called the Cinephiles, Cine-Files on iTunes and on Stitcher. Uh, yeah, everything else, uh, come, come listen to my stuff. Outlaw Nation is on the SK Plus podcast channel. And Brad, I love the stuff you do. Love the work you do with Booker T as well. Like, uh, Thank you for having me on, man. It was an honor. Hey, thank you, John. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? 
a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.